We make difficult conversations so much worse for ourselves and the other person through delay, procrastination, and rumination. This is the first in three episodes where we're going to delve into the preparation, what to do in the room, and then the follow-up from a difficult conversation. And I'm going to cover it from both the perspective of the person delivering the message as well as the person receiving the message. In this episode, we're going to talk about the preparation. What is it that you need to do to deliver the message successfully? And also how important it is to not delay. Hi, I'm James, and this is Paved with Good Intentions. So what do I mean when I say difficult conversation? I'm talking about any conversation that's going to come across as a surprise, has the potential to be seen as a personal attack on the person, or is otherwise going to introduce some sort of contention, some sort of point of disagreement, and has the potential to aggravate the other person. Those are difficult conversations. Performance management conversations are a great example. Those are difficult. Likewise, if there's been an incident in the workplace, having to bring that issue up with the person and explain the ramifications, those are difficult conversations. Now, the Crucial Conversations book teaches us that the health of an organization can be measured by the delay between when an incident or an issue is identified and that issue is then discussed. And I thoroughly believe in this because it's in that delay between when the issue is identified and when it's discussed that a whole bunch of pathology can develop. And that pathology is bad things for your organization. Wherever possible, once you've reached clarity around a message or a difficult conversation that you've got to have with someone, try and do it that day. Try to cut down that delay as much as possible. Because the worst thing that happens in that delay is rumination. We've all been there and done this. When you know that difficult conversation is coming, we can't help ourselves but to play it out in our minds. We think through all the things we're going to say, we think about all the arguments they're going to raise, we dive down all of these you know, arguing matches in our head, and it's not healthy. Right? You can be forgiven for thinking that that's just your way of preparing for it, but it is not. It's unhealthy. What you are doing is you are setting up a bunch of self-realizing, self-actuating prophecies in your mind that can get inadvertently triggered during the actual conversation. Someone might not intend it, but they might say something or do something that triggers your memory of all those conversations you've had in your head, all the times you've played this out, and you'll mistakenly launch down the pre-rehearsed way to uh, handle this conversation, as opposed to being there in the moment and dealing with the conversation that's actually occurring with the person across the room from you. And here's the other thing. It's exceptionally rare that the other person will have no idea that this conversation is coming. Typically, the other person has some intuition or some inkling that there's a conversation coming. And even if they don't, I guarantee you there is a really good chance that they are going to be suffering some sort of stress or anxiety from the uncertainty that's arising from whatever uh, situation has got to be discussed. And you know what? That puts them in that same position of of, uh, ruminating over this problem. Just as you're going to be sitting there going, turning yourself into a, a mental pretzel by going through this conversation over and over in your head, they're likely doing the same things. Right? And when the two of you build up in your mind this, this, this preconceived notion of how the conversation is going to go, there's very little hope uh, for that conversation going easily when it really happens in person. There's an author called, uh, author by the name of Pima Chodron who uh, wrote a book called When Things Fall Apart, one of her many books. And in this, she has, she has this beautiful way of describing um, the danger and, how to, and also how to escape from this rumination. And she talks about how when we find ourselves um, going over and over and over something like that in our heads, 
that it's imperative that we stop and we pull ourselves up on it. And she talks about just realizing to ourselves that it's just thinking. It's not real. That's not the real conversation. We haven't even had the conversation yet. And so don't let yourself develop all this psychopathy in your head of, of conversations that haven't happened yet. So don't delay, but do prepare. Please don't go into these conversations under some guise of rushing into it out of urgency or a sense of transparency. If you're delivering a conversation that is going to have a material impact on the other person or the, the, the chance for them to feel aggrieved by it, you owe it to them to deliver that message to them with the highest amount of care, conviction, and empathy. And that's where the preparation comes in. The message that you're going to deliver can likely be distilled down to one or two, maybe three at the most, key sentences. So the first thing to do is to go and write them down. Write down what is the key message that you're going to deliver in one or two sentences. Three at the most. And then take a really hard look at the language that you're using there. And there are two key things you need to focus on. First is you have to own this message. This message has to come from you. Not the company, not the boss, not we, not the board, not the team. You. Now there might be a ton of consensus behind this message. You might have the entire executive team on board. Hell, you might have the whole board behind you on this. It doesn't matter. Because when you're in that room with that other person, the message has to come from you. So strip out any we, any they, any us, and make it all come from you. And the second point that goes hand in hand with this is, make sure that your choices of language are very, very deliberate and strong, and they show conviction. Because what conviction shows is that you've thought this through in depth and have put time into this decision. So strip out any language like I think, or I guess, or I suppose, and this is particularly important when you're actually delivering the message and whatever supports your message in the room. Make sure that you're very clear about this as a you've decided, All right? Consider how, how powerful that is. I've decided versus we think. I've decided is, a, is an action coming from you so the person knows exactly who to follow up with and who to continue the conversation with. You own it. And it's a decision. A decision is something firm and it's something that a lot of thought and time has gone into. And that's important when you deliver this message. Because if you opt for weak statements like we think, I think, I guess, I suppose, those are the cracks in your argument. And it's through those cracks that someone will lose faith and you'll lose credibility. They'll lose faith in the message that you're delivering, and depending how aggrieved they are about it and how aggravated they are, these can also be the cracks through which they begin to attack your message. Saying I think or we think or I suppose is leaving open a chink in your armor. Those are the things that someone will charge into to try and demonstrate that you're wrong in your thinking. And lastly, don't take a piece of paper into the room with you. If you've got to take a notebook to take notes, do that. But resist the urge to print out a piece of paper that has the message on there that the person can either read in the meeting, uh, review it later, and then sign it or anything like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I know it feels like the right thing to do, and unless you're prevented, to, you know, unless you're required to by policy or procedure, 
don't do it. Because what you're doing is you're taking in a shield, and it's a shield for you, and the other person will see straight through it. And worse, they'll become fixated on that piece of paper, and that's not what you want. For this message to be successful, for you to be successful in enacting the change that you want to see here, that person needs to be focused on you. And when they're focused on the piece of paper, it impedes your ability to build that connection through empathy and through vulnerability with them, because it's that connection that will build trust, which will allow this conversation to have a lasting, positive impact. I'm James, and this has been Paved With Good Intentions.